All right, welcome to another episode of Kiwi Skin Stories where neighbors meet neighbors. Today we have Mario Baum. He's a certified hypnotist by the National Guild of Hypnotists, the oldest organization of hypnotists in the world. All right, Mario, how are you doing today? Thank you very much, Alejandro, for inviting me to participate and share a bit more about uh, what I do in my experience so far. Awesome. Awesome. We have, we like to start here with a question. What is the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? The best piece of advice I would say is listen between the lines to what people are not saying. Basically, we say many words, but in actual fact, when what we don't say in the sign breaks is what we're actually screaming and wanting to tell to one another. So many people have different ways of talking, and therefore there are people who don't say many things in the moments of silence. And that's when they're screaming, and that's what people actually have to listen to, actual, which doesn't generally happen in companies or in families when one person is saying something, but in actual fact, what they're saying behind the scenes, as they say, is actually what they're screaming for. Interesting. Is it similar to like reading between the lines or? Exactly. It's very similar to reading between the lines. The only thing is you have to pay a bit more attention to that subliminal message, which is in the subtitles. Exactly. Very interesting. Very interesting. Thank you. How do we, I guess, <laughs> tell us your story. First, Thank you. first, tell us how you, how you got to the key. Yes, I got to the key approximately 10 years ago, moving over from uh, Spain. I was living there for a while with my family and my two children. And because my wife's family is here on the key, well, it was a no-brainer to move over here, apart from the absolute wonderful living conditions that we have here, as they call it, alien paradise. Mm. And more importantly, the fact that when you have small children, it's very easy to bring them up because everything is very close by, it's very similar to living in a small town in Europe, which otherwise would not be the case if you live in other areas of Miami. So tell us, who is who is Mario? Thank you for asking. I mean, Mario is, or was, uh, a young man who grew up in a family whose parents were of German and Swiss origin. My father was an employee of a multinational where we lived and traveled across different countries. And uh, approximately 15 years ago, my mom passed away, and that's when my actual spiritual side developed and opened up to my true self, if you want to call it like that. But before that, before my mom passed away, I remember sitting in class one day. I was possibly 14 or 15 years old, and I shut my eyes very quickly. You know, English literature is always very entertaining. So I put my head on my shoulder, my shoulder against the wall, and I shut my eyes very fast. I was listening to class. I was awake, but just in that gaze. And all of a sudden, I noticed how I was visualizing the class from above. So some people call that an out-of-body experience. And as I was floating above class, I said, this is boring. Let's go around school. So basically, I like walked around school, floating, in the, and I said, I don't want to be here. So I went to see my mom. It was like 25 miles away. And I saw my dog. I walked around the house. I saw my mom. Like, okay, everything's cool. I went back. I opened my eyes. I'm like, that was cool. So I've spoken to many other professionals. And they're like, yes, you had an out-of-body experience during daytime. So bringing up to who I am, when my mom passed away, I spoke to a lady who guided me into this profession 
to awakening my abilities, which everybody has their own abilities. People, some for some reason, they can see the aura of other people. People are psychic. Everybody has different abilities. It's the question or the point of the, not developing them. It's a, a point of uh, letting them be free, uh, educating them, and guiding them to how they are to be used. In my case, I was able to and I still am able to meditate with my eyes open. And that, to a certain degree, has allowed me to also see people's auras with my eyes open. So one thing led to another that I read the book of Edgar Cayce, uh, The Sleeping Prophet. This is a gentleman from back in 1890s. He died in 1945, just uh, after the Second World War. He was known as a sleeping prophet because he would come into a state of relaxation, deep hypnosis, in the sleep mode. And they would, people would be able to channel messages through him, health treatments, you name it. And unfortunately, people took advantage of him, so he had his own struggles. But fortunately enough, nowadays in Virginia Beach, there's a Edgar Cayce uh, Institute and there's an Atlantic University where people can develop these holistic skills in different areas. One of them is meditation. And that's where I uh, took the certification to be an inner, inner life coach and meditation which is very interesting. One of the books that we had to read in this course was Meditation for Women. My first remark was, this is interesting. Let's see what I can learn from it. Second, I felt a bit annoyed because all my teachers all my life were women and all my yoga teachers were women. So let's see. That's why it intrigued me more to see what's the difference between a male and a female. Even though when I was six years old, I remember my father doing yoga exercises at home here in Miami. And I basically sat next to him and imitated him. And for me, it was something natural, like, oh, this is cool. This is fun. So I did it. So when while I was reading this book about meditation for women, all the components that they were talking about, for me, it seemed something natural because they say in the book that men will say, okay, uh, put your mind in a blank mode, see a white sheet. I'm like, okay. But for me, it's not only that, it's also the physical component of how your body feels at that moment. It's bringing all the elements of what we are together. So that was with Edgar Cayce where I learned that and I uh, became friends with a psychic over there, which is very interesting. And after that, uh, my mentor, she always told me, listen, go read something about Dr. Brian Weiss, the author of Many Lives, Many Masters. I'm like, okay. So I read all his books and she's like, if you can go, if there's a, a possibility, go to his uh, um, workshops. Okay, so I found a workshop uh, that was in the month of May and uh, the next one was going to be in June. So I signed up for June. Unfortunately, they put me on the waiting list for October. I'm like, okay, I'll wait. Two weeks later, they send me an email, say, uh, Mario, you're available. If you can come, come now in June. I said, hey, this is a sign, I'll go. So I went there. This was in the month of June in New York, approximately 300 other people there. You had nurses, psychologists, social workers, uh, people working with dentists and lay people like us who are not in that health industry, but who have these other abilities of holistic healing and so forth. So long story short, the first day, obviously he went through his whole pro household rules of what to do and all that, because obviously it's a whole week where you do uh, different guided uh, hypnosis and he does other exercises as well. After the first day, the first lunch, a lady came up to me from India, who herself, she was a, a, a doctor. 
She's like, I want you to give me a hypnosis. I'm like, wonderful. Why not? I was like, never done this before, but I guess she came to me for a reason. You know, there are in life, there are signals, there are signs. We went to a corner of the room and we sat down and I basically guided her through the whole process. And for me, it was like walking in the park, something natural, something which is a given, just like breathing. And long story short, she, uh, fortunately enough, she had some experiences with uh, past lives where she understood her ailments in this life. And uh, yeah, it was very, very interesting. And that led to me to say, I love this. Then we did an exercise, which was uh, a brief meditation where we had to get in twos and we had to exchange an object. So basically there was one other person uh, who was free apart from me and we exchanged an object. Long story short, with this object, we both saw different scenes, but we both saw one word and it was the same word. So obviously being a gentleman as I am, I said, ladies first, please use to tell your story first. She's like, no, 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 you go first. I'm like, no, you go. She said, no, you go. Okay. One, two, three, I tell the story and then I come to that word. I'm like, listen, I have this word and I'm not sure. She's like, I have a word too. I'm like, this is getting good. And she's like, okay, let's say the word on the count of three. I'm like, okay, let's do it. She's like, one, two, three, brothers. We both were like, wow, this is astonishing. So eventually we did other uh, meditation and it turned out that yes, in a past life, we were both siblings. And the people who walked around us are like, are you brothers? Like, well, kind of, yeah, I guess. So that for me is, and for many people as well in our audience, should be a sign that not only are we having a physical experience, but we are spirit in body having a material. But then once life is over, we become, we return to be spirit. And that's why we have the soul families. Soul families are basically other spirits, other souls who uh, are part of this big soul family. And we materialize to have these different experiences. So maybe you and I, we were cous distant cousins, who knows? And that's why we have this good uh, understanding. For example, to the same extent with other people, there might not be that good understanding or there's a bad vibration when you enter in a room. And that's because there must be something that there must have been a clash in the past or something like that. So that's the whole energy uh, sensation, what people get. And that brings me on to the next point. What scientists always say, we're 70% water and water receives energy, just like the heat we evaporate, but also that energy, that transmission, when you are in a good vibration, people are relaxed, just like animals. Animals, they approach those beings who are balanced and have a good vibration. And it's funny when you go to any of these uh, yoga studios or all these holistic farms, animals approach certain people, cats or dogs. And that's because those are the people who are in energy, most balanced. Other people reject dogs, but they come to them for a certain reason because of their energy. So that's what led me to then further learn more about hypnosis, learn what, how much work can be done with hypnosis, but more importantly, how easy it is for all of us to enter in that state of, uh, of trance, if you want to call it, and understand more about yourself, understand about your soul and what is your purpose here and now. And that's something which is for modern Western society, very important because that's why people have all these midlife crisis. Like, oh, 
I'm not an engineer. I want to do painting, for example. I want to take a little break to thank 3G Tutoring for lending me their space here. You know, they do tutoring and they do SAT prep and all sorts of prepping and also college college prep. So Mario, can you expand a little bit more on the 75% of water? I know that water is, you know, it receives, it's sensitive to to energies, like you said, and also to, to sound. You know, I, I keep seeing more out there about how sound and particular sounds. Vibrations. Can, yes. Vibrations, that's the word I think. Yes. Can, can help heal and, and a lot of different things. Can you expand a little bit on that? Yes. As, as we were saying, we are composed of 70% of water within ourselves. So obviously any vibration, any alteration around us will affect us, even though we don't notice it at that moment. That's why there are people who are hypersensitive that actually cannot go to certain places because of the noises that surround them. And there's the other fact of autistic children, you have uh, indigo children and so forth who are hypersensitive to different colors and sounds and because that alters their state of balance. So there are many experiments with water as such, how it vibrates with classical music, how it vibrates with heavy metal, and how it vibrates with pop music. Those forms that the water molecules make show you how balanced or imbalanced this music is. Uh, the effect it has on the on the water. So imagine that on us or within us. And there's a friend of mine. She uh, I know her from Spain. Her name is Citara. She did a week whole uh, process of blessing the water before you drink. Deepak Chopra and other uh, of these enlightened or experienced doctors. Deepak Chopra is a, a former MD who has this whole process of helping people to heal in light of their nutrition and obviously in regards to the vibration that you have within yourself. And he says, you don't need to go to the doctor to heal a headache. You don't need a pill. You need to understand what produced that headache. There are many other uh, authors who talk about um, the disease is the body screaming at some emotion that triggered that part of the body. And I'm talking about doctors from Germany in the 70s, they wrote this book and also later on in the 90s, where each organ in our body represents a different emotion in, within ourselves, just like acupuncture and just like, uh, how do you say this, uh, about the feet and in the ears, you, all the nerves finish off there so people know what organ is affected. And obviously left side, right side. And that brings me to the side, left side is female energy, right side is masculine energy. So if you have, for example, uh, God forbid, more injuries on your right side of your body, that's because there's some masculine energy that you have to work upon. Something triggers that. Okay. If it's a left side, it's there. there's a female relationship or some energy that you have to understand or work upon. In my case, and here I bring my personal example, I've always had injuries on my right side of my body. My collarbone, my elbow, my thumb, my right knee, all on the right side. Just before my father passed away, he and I made peace. And ever since, it's been solved. That's how interesting the human body works. It's our body is the best doctor. It gives us also the best solution. But when it gets that far, and it's not too late, but it's just, it's screaming saying, hey, you haven't listened to me. The other thing as well is the mind is also very powerful. Just as we learn every day, every year to build up on a profession, a career, while the same way we can work to heal ourselves with meditation, deep breathing, and 
we can also annul, uh, annulate ourselves, you know, just shut off, which is what happened to my mom. She basically said, I don't want to live anymore. Thank you. Goodbye. And one month she was gone. So this brings me to meditation and breathing exercises. I always like to say and share that the only one thing the human species is born with is breathing. Everything else we are taught, we're educated, we launch ourselves towards that, but we only know how to do one simple thing, which is breathing and eating. And over time, we have to re-educate ourselves to learn how to breathe properly. And that's why now in Western society, ever since the 60s, all this boom of yoga centers, all this boom of breathing, all of this boom of mindfulness and so forth. Why? Because we don't have that balance, mind and body. People like to say body, mind, spirit. I like to say spirit and body because we're spirit in a body having a worldly experience and we return to be spirit. And as Dr. Brian Weiss always says, we are all here in this beautiful earth as a school. You have children or people from kindergarten up to people in the doctorate degree. And we all coexist together and we all share and learn from one another. And that's the, that's the key element. And in breathing, how do we re-educate ourselves? Well, people go to do a sport. People go to do yoga. The, the other day I learned one of the funny things, and they mentioned that the people who know how to breathe best are those who do swimming. Because if you don't breathe while you're swimming, you go down, obviously. So there you have to learn a proper technique, which enabled you to work hard physically, but at the same time, hold some air and breathe out. Runners are also a very good example of people who know how to breathe. And the key component is what we forget over time is that emotions, stress, whatever surrounds us are components that limit or affect our breathing in many ways. If we focus on the here and now, if we focus on inhaling and focusing on how the oxygen enters our blood cells and as we exhale, we release that stress. I've seen it over time with all my clients when I do hypnosis, when I say, okay, now release it, the body goes, boom, goes down. It's like, well, what happened to, to them here? It's like they lost, uh, I don't know how many pounds. And that is the beauty about breathing. It actually releases that weight off of your shoulders or wherever. I would like to share a simple exercise of the um, Vietnamese Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh, which is very simple. You breathe in, I calm my body. You breathe out, I smile. And in dwelling in the present moment, I know this is a wonderful moment. I like to concentrate on the first two lines, which is, I breathe in, I calm my body. As I breathe out, I smile. And smiling after you exhale is very soothing, but it also enables you to have a more positive outlook to other things. I do that every so often. To a certain extent, I've made it something normal. When you sit in the park, you look at people walk by, you smile at them and people smile back at you. It's something which we, in our society, we need much more of, which is being more benevolent to one another. So, Kate, what about meditation? Uh, meditation is very popular. You know, it comes with the, there's yoga, there's meditation and all, all this self-awareness that's, that's very popular nowadays. Can you expand a little bit on meditation? Absolutely. I think that we meditate unconsciously 
every day, even though we don't call it meditation, but to truly relax, decompress both students, adolescents, um, college students, parents, grandparents, everybody in general in our society, we can do our day-to-day chores by meditating. How can that be? Very simple. As I said, with a simple exercise of when we focus in the here and now, it's basically focusing on your breathing. When you focus on your breathing, you're in a state of much more relaxed um, sense of being here, being present, and not allowing you to be overwhelmed by everything which is surrounding you. Of course, having 30 minutes to 45 minutes of meditation every day, a specific time, it's wonderful, but not everybody can do that. And precisely Thich Nhat Hanh, he mentions, because he had a, uh, a friend in France who's like, I don't have 30 minutes, I don't have 40 minutes to meditate every day, what can I do? Well, it's very simple and a logical Western society exercise. He's like, you drive your car to work every day? Yes. Okay. You get to a red light or to a stop sign? Yes. Well, every time you see the red light, you look at it and you focus on your breathing. And as you exhale, you smile. It's that simple. And that's why I say we can do that every day, even when we work. Because when we focus on our breathing, we exhale all tension, all worries, all deadlines, whatever you want. Because when you focus on being here and now, you're not allowing everything else surrounding you to overwhelm you, to block you, to make you uh, overwhelmed by the fact that the deadlines are so limiting to your uh, creativity. Because that's the thing. We need to be able to develop our creativity, work at our own pace, but focus on that and be present. When we're present, that's why I like to share always our wonderful athlete, Roger Federer. Many people who like tennis see him as a ballerina on the court. Why? Because it seems that his efforts, the way he played, was so natural. And I always come to say, well, he didn't have a trainer. He had a psychologist. And the psychologist worked on his mind so that he can control his body. Because we grow up learning to do the mechanical movements on a day-to-day basis. We're taught how to ride a bike. We're taught how to do these movements in specific exercises, sports, or in work. Open up a computer, press the power button, get the paper, file cabinet, put the books away. All these things, all these mechanical movements, we learn them. And what's missing? How do you breathe? I remember one class, I always laugh at it, in yoga precisely, the teacher said, okay, go into this position and hold your breath. And then she said, okay, now move to the other side. I'm like, okay, when did I exhale? When did I breathe in? So I was a bit annoyed at that. So that's when I stopped doing those yogas and focusing on my own yoga and and breathing exercises, which I found more empowering for me. That's why I'm saying everybody has to find their own way. But there are certain things, which is your breathing rhythm, and when you know that you are going to encounter a difficult situation, prepare yourself, breathe beforehand. Just like uh, apnea divers, these are the divers who go deep diving with their lungs, with no additional breathing support and the apnea. So basically, they concentrate, they lower their pulse rate, they breathe, focus on building up oxygen in their lungs, and then they go down. They're not thinking about TV, radio, this or that. They're focusing on themselves at that moment. And that's what we don't do. 
where you say, okay, I'm in class now, and then I have to go to the next class, or I have to finish this other thing. No, stop a moment. That's what my dream is that in corporate world, instead of starting a meeting and talking about this and that, no, everybody shut their eyes, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. Okay, now let's open our eyes and let's focus on the here now and do this work. I think, I feel, that's what I always do. Uh, I used to be a lawyer, so I know how much tension can be built in a room and how that energy, that tension can be dissipated, not only by opening the door and letting the energy go out, but if people are more relaxed, there's more agreement, there's less aggressivity on the road. One of the things you learn in Miami is how to be passive-aggressive when you drive, which is basically you drive in your lane, but you're passive in the sense that you allow all these other drivers, just to name them like that, go ahead of you or mm, cut in front of you or cross four lanes on I-95 or go into the express lane and then go back out again. So how do you control your emotions in that is by breathing. And one of the things as one of the uh, sponsors of the program is a martial arts school. One of the things in martial arts, what they teach you is how to control your breathing when you receive and when you give. When you receive, you exhale. When you uh, give, you exhale as well. You're giving that energy out. And if, from a physiological point of view, if you keep that energy, that stays inside of you unless you focus on your breathing and you exhale it deeply. And that's one of the things that meditation helps you to. Focus on, for example, oh, my right knee hurts. Okay, I'm going to send uh, energy and I'm going to send my uh, oxygen to my knee so that all that tension which is there accumulates and goes and dissipates. I, I have to share that. In my past, I had precisely a knee injury. I went to three traumatologists. They all said, oh yeah, we have to uh, make surgery, this and that. Basically, it was all the same forecast. And then I spoke to a friend who is a, a massage therapist and so forth. And she said, let me see your x-ray. Okay, go to my friend. He's also a therapist. He does other things as well. I showed him the x-rays like, I don't need it. I don't want it. Let me see how you walk. Let me see your knees. Okay. You want to walk? Yes. You want to be the weatherman? No. Then don't operate yourself. So basically he readjusted my knee and I had no surgery. The weatherman you mean because people who have knee surgeries can sense weather changes because they have metal on their knee or something? Is that what no, you mean? And, and also And also because of the meniscus and everything because you've been operated and the body hasn't fully healed, yeah. but you feel the change in uh, humidity and heat. You feel it. Anybody who's had a, a severe injury or a hip replacement, I call them the weatherman because they feel that change. And I have a guy at the office, he's 50, no, 60 something. He's a weatherman. And that's why, because you have a foreign body in there. And I've seen people whose meniscus has been regenerated and so forth precisely by uh, making other types of exercises. Joe Dispenza, for example, he had his uh, injury as a triathlete and they said, no, you operate or you're going to be in a chair all your life. And he visualized how his body was healing and precisely the main vehicle he used was his breathing. Breathing is our key motor to keep our heart pumping and to send messages everywhere else. Talking about the vibrations and the energy, the heart has more vibrations than the brain. So everything, obviously, when you have a broken heart, well, yes, that's the love story. 
but the heart as such is a very strong muscle which we can work on to train. But one of the things I was uh, taught when I started in this world of hypnosis is primarily the fact that people who've had heart surgery, depending on how long ago, I was advised not to do hypnosis on them. Why? Because when you come into that deep state of relaxation, the heart could stop. But that's the, that's the only case where I am not allowed to give hypnosis to people. Other than that, it's allowing people in this deep state of meditation to observe and understand who and what they are supposed to do in this life. And one of the cool things about the show is that I get to interview people from all walks of life and get to discover all these interesting things and that people are, are up to. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about your um, services. So how does that work? How does this, how do we, how do we start? Very simple. We develop a report, which is basically we sit down and I listen to your life, your health history, whatever issues you might have had, or in particular, if you come for a specific reason, I listen to what has triggered that situation and why or for how long that has been going on in your life. And after that, I understand what, if you are also a believer, believe in God, if you have faith or not, those are all small details. As I said, listening behind the lines, behind the curtains, what is actually being said by the person. And it's very easy if a person says, listen, I am very frustrated in my job history because I always have jobs every three years and I'm qualified, but I don't move forward. Okay, there's something internally which is blocking you or you are self-sabotaging yourself. Or people, I had a case, a gentleman, a surgeon traumatologist here in the US, he couldn't swim in rivers. He could swim in the ocean. He could swim in the pool. He could swim in a lake but he could not swim in a river. And I said, okay, that's interesting. This is different. So basically I sat down with him and we did a, a session and he got to the scene where he was basically dying, drowning in a river. And that was the trauma that caused him, which he has brought over to this life to heal. Sometimes it's that simple. This other lady, as I mentioned in my first week with uh, Brian Weiss, she always had throat issues. Bear in mind, she is from the medical field. She understands the human body. She went to different doctors in India and they gave her different treatments, but none of them cured her. So with her, we went through three lives and each one, there was always the neck involved. Once she was hung, another one, a uh, lion was mauling her and the third one, uh, there was a, it's a, it was like a Wild West scene where she was shot, funny enough, in the neck. So it was all related to the neck. And that is what's happening. Many people, uh, the movie Heal, I think uh, you've probably heard about it, is a movie where people talk about their ailments and they learn about other ways of healing and understanding what caused it. For example, with, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the left body, right body, uh, the left side of the body, the right side of the body. What are issues, for example, if you're being bullied at school, maybe that's part of your lesson in this life, but it's not that you twist that around and you become a bully to the bully. It's understand, okay, what do I have to learn from this? Okay, I understand that there are people who are being bullied in life, so I will become a, a defendant of these people and help them overcome these situations. Just like, um, I don't know, uh, not only students, but also 
adults at work. They're being mobbed, they're being bullied uh, because people's ego, which is the biggest Western, or I guess in general in society, ego is our biggest enemy. Ego is, I'm bigger, I'm better, I'm whatever you want than you. Like, okay, but if you're fighting with me and we're both in the same company, what's the point? When we're not winning, we're, we're, we're being a cancer, if you want to call it, to the company. Versus if we work together, I learn from you, you learn from me, it's much better. And usually the bully, it happened to me at school, I had somebody who bullied me, he had himself an issue that thanks to me being, uh, I would say, uh, not a counter bully, was solved in a amicable manner. My mom always said, don't do anything, respect, respect. And that's what I was always working on, showing benevolence and being respectful towards others. So about my services. So basically we do that interview. I listen to the person and then we start uh, developing a program to work with you. So it depends all about you. If you want to overcome, if you want to uh, do this. Sessions are online or in person. One of my first clients was a lady in Germany and we had an online session. It was very beautiful. And I've had other clients also in Australia, which was a bit more complicated because of the time difference. There was 15 hours difference with Miami. So that was a bit uh, stressful realizing that it was Friday, but it was Thursday for me. But then we made it happen. Apart from that, with hypnosis, you can do it online and in person. It has the same effect because basically you're bringing the person into a state of deep relaxation where they're working on the subconscious. As I always like to say, I just need to see your face when I, it's an online session because that's where I see your emotions. If you start to cry, if, for example, you show anger or you simply don't make any reactions. So I need to see your face to be able to question you, to guide you once you are in that deep state of trance. So that's the, the beauty about it. And as I always like to share with people when we talk about hypnosis is, Hypnosis is not that you don't feel or sense anything. Hypnosis is basically the tool which helps you to awaken your subconscious, which is always there, which has the memory of everything, what you've done, what you've felt, what you've uh, basically put aside that your conscious mind doesn't remember, but it's there, it's present, and it will come up. It will say, hey, remember when you were six years old and you didn't want to eat spinach? Well... That's because of this, this, and that. And that has triggered this other emotion. So that's what we do with uh, hypnosis. So people say, but I felt everything. I'm like, yes. Not, you don't always have to go into a deep state of trance to understand different things. As we said before, this is a beautiful school. Everybody's in different levels. Some people go into a deep state of trance. Others don't. Some people take it a, bit, a few steps longer to get into that state of uh, trance. And therefore, it depends what you want to work on. If you want to reframe your mind to be more positive towards uh, sales, if you want to be uh, overcome, for example, a death of somebody, if there's something uh, specific you want to work upon. For example, I have a client uh, who is in the military and he's had different experiences. And uh, obviously, for confidentiality reasons, I can't say much, but it's impressive how powerful and how healing the mind can be once you understand everything because our biggest enemy is also inside of us who blocks us from understanding the greater picture because we impose ourselves different uh, limits or different capacities. I go back to the example. We were born 
only knowing how to breathe, but as we go on in life, we are taught how to swim, we're taught how to walk in the mountains, or to ride a bicycle. But we have to overcome that fear of, oh, oh, oh I'm going to fall off the bike. No, I didn't. Oh, so th those are things that we only we can do that. So it's overcoming and understanding the origin of that. And one of the examples my, my uh, mentor always says is like, when he had a, an interview with a client, he's like, so how old are you? Oh, 56. Oh, and your health? Oh, my mom had this, my grandmother had this, and most probably I'm going to get it as well. See, you're brainwashing yourself to predispose yourself to accept that. Why do you have to have that? We are born perfect beings. Okay, there's a genetic component, but it's not necessarily that it has to trigger. One of the videos I saw uh, not long ago, they also mentioned we have multiple cancers in our body, but it depends what triggers it so that it happens. So that's why breathing keeps everything in balance within you. And obviously, healthy uh, nutrition and being outdoors is a key. And that's why we're lucky to be here down in South Florida. Mario, it has been great to learn about hypnotism and what you do and the services you provide. I feel like we could continue talking more about <laughs> about what you do. But um, I have a closing question for you here in the, the show that we do for everybody. So what is your favorite part about Cube's Cane? Yes, indeed, we can continue speaking for hours or long end because fortunately enough, more and more people are enjoying and understanding these things. My favorite part of Kiwi's Cane, I would say there are two parts. Early in the morning, the beach on the east side to see the sunrise every morning, seeing how the pelicans and the osprey are flying around fishing. And in the evenings, I would say Bill Baggs Park to see the sunset. Amazing. Thank you very much. Mario, thank you again for joining us.